0: Everybody, this is Hal Elrod. And before we dive into today's episode of the podcast, I wanted to take just a minute, maybe a minute and a half, to uh, let you know about my latest book and the newest book in the Miracle Morning Book series. It's The Miracle Morning for Teachers Elevate Your Impact for Yourself and Your Students. And if you are a teacher or an administrator, or you know a teacher or administrator, The Miracle Morning for Teachers is the perfect book to both elevate the life of every teacher while simultaneously elevating the impact that they make for their students. And it really goes back, gosh, seven plus years ago when I first wrote The Miracle Morning, the original book. I had this vision where what if it was practiced every day in classrooms around the world? What if students started their day with meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling? And that vision became a reality in February 2019, when my co-author and co-creator of the Miracle Morning book series, Honoré Corder, led a group of dozens of teachers around the world to implement the six daily practices of the Miracle Morning, known as the Savers, into their classrooms for 30 days and beyond. And the results, both for the teachers and the students, were absolutely Remarkable. We heard things like some of my most troubled students are now focused and calm, and they thank me every day that we're doing the Miracle Morning together. And those stories, those results, that feedback helped to shape the book that we are now on a mission to get in the hands of every teacher in the world, right? That's the, the ultimate goal. So you can grab a copy of the Miracle Morning for Teachers on Amazon, you know, for yourself or your favorite teacher, you and get the audiobook on Audible. And either way, this book really is the next step in the Miracle Morning mission, which is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning, one teacher, and one student at a time, and I am so grateful for your support. Thank you so much. Goal Achievers, hello, this is Hal. My guest today was recommended to me by Aubrey Marcus, and Aubrey reached out, said i don't usually recommend people to other podcasts, but uh, this gentleman, you've got to chat with Hal, and uh, he was right. Uh, I just wrapped up my conversation with him, but uh, you're about to hear the conversation that I just had, and uh, I want to give a formal introduction for my new friend, Corey Allen. Corey is a an author. He is a podcast host, a meditation teacher, a composer, and an audio engineer, and on his podcast, The Astral Hustle, he finds ways for us you and me, and all his listeners, to live with more wonder and less suffering by speaking with leading experts in mindfulness, neuroscience, music, and philosophy. The Astral Hustle, it's not a word I use very often, astral, you ever say astral? It's been downloaded millions of times, and it was even featured in the New York Times. And Corey has taught thousands of people how to meditate with clear and concise methods in his online meditation course, Release into. Now. And he's also a distinguished music producer who's released more than a dozen albums and engineered hundreds of records for other artists. He lives here in Austin, Texas. And his new book that just came out is called Now Is The Way. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation because I I really enjoyed it. Corey's a, a really, you can tell he's a very authentic and a brilliant gentleman. So it is my great pleasure to introduce you to my, uh, my new friend, I think, I guess that is for friends, Mr. Corey Allen. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Not just any other episode, though. This one's gonna be special, and, uh, and you'll soon find out why. Today's actually gonna be kind of interesting in that the occasionally you hear me chat with somebody where I'm really, uh, I'm new to that person's work Occasionally, I have you know my friends on or, or people that I've studied or followed or been mentored by for a long time and in this case, our guest today, Corey Allen, was recommended to me by a mutual friend Aubrey Marcus. And uh, Aubrey Marcus, you may know he's the CEO of Onnit. We've had him on the podcast before, and Aubrey gives Corey the most glowing recommendation for his work. Well, for for him as a person, first of all, but uh, but his work in the meditation space, and specifically his new book. Now is the Way, an unconventional approach to modern mindfulness. And today we're going to dive into what makes it unconventional and how can you apply it? How can I apply it? And uh, really, you and I, as, as the listener, uh, we're here to get to know Corey, and uh, I'm excited to dive in. So Corey, welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Hal. Yeah, yeah. So Aubrey, now I know you guys have been friends a while, but did you have to, I mean, you know, is this guy on payroll? He, he speaks so highly of you, or is it just that he knows you really well? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I think it's that we just spent a lot of formative years together, you know? Like I was the first guest on his podcast way back in the day.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That's
1: huge. Yeah, yeah, it was it was we met in a sort of a really bizarre way in that yeah, back in the day. He was trying to set up his gear uh, in his old house to like start his podcast, and I caught wind of that somehow. And in my previous life, you know, I I was a uh, audio producer and engineer and started my own audio production company, which I still I still do. But uh, that was what I was doing full time at that time. And I was like, yeah, I could help you out with that. So we'd never talked to anything before and he's like, yeah, come on over, man. Let's check it out. So I went over to his place and he's had a big pile of gear on his kitchen table and I set it up and I was like, oh, and it was funny is that I was like 30 in, or something and Aubrey was 31 at the time. <laughs> yeah. Little, little babies. Babies. Yep. And I had it all set up and I was like, all right, well, let's test it real quick. And he was like, all right. And we just started talking and he was like, ask me a question. Huh. And I remember I said, what is isness?" You know, and, because, and he, he liked that. And we just started, it went from there and that ended up being his first podcast. Get out of here, just totally impromptu. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And uh, since, you know, then it was funny is that he had started on it, I think, maybe a year before that or something like that. It was very, very new. And uh, it was back whenever it was on First Street, on Cesar Chavez on the East Side in Austin and just a little tiny... Building, not even the building its a little tiny office space with like four employees and went over there and checked it out. And so it was pretty fun to see the very earliest days of on it when it was barely anything and just watching it scale to where it is now. And, you know, Aubrey and I've gone through a lot of stuff together and yeah, just a beautiful, beautiful friendship and relationship. And we've, we've learned a lot from each other, I think because we are very different people, but mm-hmm. where we overlap, I think is, uh, there's a lot of potential for value and just uh, and potency
0: as far as being human goes. I, I want to dive into what you just said and, and, and draw out the first kind of unplanned, unexpected lesson, which is you You mentioned uh, that you and Aubrey, uh, you've got a you know, deep love for each other, a friendship that's spanned uh, over a decade. What, uh, but you said that you're very different people, and yet at the same time, There is, uh, I don't don't know the exact word to use, but there's an alignment, right, that makes it work. So what is that? What do you feel like uh, in order for us in any relationship, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, what can be different and what needs to be common or, or what's important? Yeah. A lot of people, as they're growing up,
1: they often look at ways that they can make the world more like them and then get frustrated whenever people that they meet or things that they like aren't like them. And they tend to kind of judge it or or whatever it might be or, or create an other out of it. And I think as you get older or, or hopefully as you do a little bit of inner investigation into yourself, you'll find that like a path with less suffering, more wonder and, and more excitement is when you look to the world and see how you're like it as and how you can make yourself more like it. And so... If you take that approach into your interpersonal relationships, you can find that you, by knowing people and meeting people who are somewhat similar in some ways, have some shared interests, but have a very diverse approach to the world otherwise, you can really connect and become kind of co-mentors or or co-teachers of each other. Mm. Because the fundamental nature of how one person sees the world is so different than, you know, the next person, the next person, the next person. And if you are open to that and you find just that little bit of connective tissue, which you can find with almost anybody, right? But you can find, of course, stronger versions and, and not as strong versions of that. But if you find that and then, you know, start sharing some of your world with that person and they share some of their world with you, you can really continue to add to the map of your understanding of yourself, of people, of life, for ever and ever, if you keep doing that. So openness, lack of judgment, and a flexibility and a willingness to actually listen, I think will keep you growing for
0: a long, long time. That's a beautiful perspective, and, and I think it, it counters to what we naturally tend to do, which is gravitate toward people that are like us, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've got my exact same set of beliefs. Oh, we can be friends, right? Yeah. Uh, you think about the world exactly like I do. Oh, we're a match made in heaven. Right. But it's like, we then live in a really limited box, you know, right. We, we live, our, our vantage point becomes very narrow. Yeah. I think when we, when we don't, and and I'm guilty of that. I mean, you know, who doesn't like to hang out with people that are like-minded of course, but yeah, I I love what you shared and, and how that can expand your, you know, your vision for yourself and the world and what's possible. And yeah, it's, it's all a spectrum of course too, man.
1: Like it's great. Like one of my, one of my best friends in the world is we are like 80% similar, you know, and and that's a beautiful, comfortable, fun. You can get deep in another way there, you know, but then as, as you said, knowing these other people who are, who you're very different, you kind of uh, are casting the net in a different way. And as you, you mentioned people, really like seeking themselves, it's always hilarious. I'm sure you or like the listeners have had a friend in the past. It's like, man, I'm dating this person. Uh, she's so awesome. She's like me, but, you know, but a lady. And then you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then a month later, you're like, how is so-and-so? And they're like, ah, you know, I, she's crazy. Yeah, you know, I can't stand her. We're not <laughs> together anymore. It's like, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah that, like for me, I was always, I've always remained friends with my exes. And that was always a weird thing to me, right? I'm like, "Wait, you, you used to tell a person you loved them every single day, and now you're disgusted by that like what I, I, don't, I don't understand what, what, how deep was that love, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so well let's let's dive into or start peeling back the onion a bit on how are you into the work that you're into now? You mentioned that you were previously you know sound engineer, that that sort of thing. yeah. Uh, and now you've got this book, Now Is The Way, An Unconventional Approach to Modern Mindfulness. It is, it's got rave reviews. People love it. Your podcast, The Astral Hustle, is you know, hugely popular. So all of those things. But let's start out with you know, with meditation specifically. How did you get into meditation?
1: Yeah, it really came around by uh, necessity and some chance, you know. Um, in my, basically, I came to it as a teenager, completely on my own, because of my background, you know, my environment that I grew up in. It's a lot of challenges and various things like that, and a lot of I'll just say challenging dynamics that I grew up in. And so, what I had done was I kind of created this this shell sort of from the outer world and i was very much lived in my head lived in my body um not necessarily always in a good way by any means and one day i, I had this kind of victor frankl moment uh mm. a very very minute version of that and i realized that like no matter what was going on outside of me my in my mind i'm free i can do and think whatever i want and i'm free in here and this is, will become like my sanctuary my inner life became my sanctuary and so then by complete chance, I overheard someone talking about uh, if they could have dinner with two people or whatever, you know, living or dead, who would they be? And I just remember Nishi was one of those names. And I just sort of, it's a cool sounding word. It's stuck in the back of my mind. And I was then going through a bookstore later. I randomly saw that name on the back of a book. And I was like, oh, there's that, that cool looking name. And I went over and I pulled it out. And I looked at it and I started reading it and I, you know, like, like everyone, whenever you're a teenager, you feel very incompatible with the rest of the world. Like you don't really click. You're not vibing. You're trying to find yourself and find your place and all that type of stuff. And I very much felt that way. And when I read Nietzsche, I was like, oh my God, this is how I think. And it's not, it's not what I think, but it's the kind of the mathematics of how my mind works. And I've become obsessed with philosophy. And I just got, I always had like a really obsessive personality. So I would just go, and this is some of that living in your mind type of thing coming out. Like I would go into, I would read like for, you know, six to eight hours a day, every day for, wow. for years and years and years. And I just started finding like, this was the nineties, of course. So there wasn't like Google. <laughs> and so and this was very much like, okay, well, what, what authors or what themes or subjects or, or whatever, does this book reference? And I'd go get those books. And I'd say, okay, now what, what do they mention? Who do they reference? And this, and I'd go get those books. And it was a real natural organic web of connectivity that kind of uh, created this map that I was, I was walking this path on and pretty much digested the Western canon of philosophy, um, sort of an obsessive mania. And some of those bridges between like Schopenhauer and some things like that, that sort of nodded to East and thought, made me go over and get interested in Eastern thought. And whenever I first started reading those books, I had the same type of experience that was like, wow, not only this is how I think, but this is what I think this is kind of an ethos in which I think is a really valuable way to exist in the world and in a way to contribute to the world. And, in that was of course a lot of talk and discussion about meditation so that's how i found meditation it was just completely randomly you know no one in my entire life system or family they weren't even readers much less interested in philosophy or psychology or, or eastern thought and yeah so that's how i found it and got to it and i began just practicing it in my room completely autodidactically reading out of books and um kind of have a uh, or when i was growing up i definitely had a very much uh, an issue with authority or systems or any of that type of stuff and so i never liked the idea of following one school of practice not only in in you know meditation or, or whatever but also just in philosophies and things like that and yeah i found that what made sense to me and, and i think i was very much influenced by alfred korzybski who was the the father of general semantics and non Aristotelian thought systems and that hit me, I didn't really have the language for it at the time, but that hit me in this way. You know, one of the things he describes essentially is that A, we you know in the West, we t- tend to think that you know it, things are either A or B. And his big thing was things are A and B at the same time, most times. And he also came up with the term uh the map is not the territory, which Alan Watts then used you know a couple of decades later as the menu is not the meal. Hmm. And that really blew my brain open. Uh, at a young age. And, and I kind of took on my, all of the, the things I studied and tried to learn with that approach of kind of realizing this multidimensional way of approaching knowledge and understanding, never finding like, this is the answer. This is a useful tool amongst an infinitely complex array of understanding and perspectives of the self, which is perpetually evolving and changing as you continue to live. And so I took the same approach to meditation, which was like I never went into a school or a certain lineage. I just read as much stuff as I could, whether it be, you know, Sufi type of like heart opening practices to the general, you know, Tibetan approaches to extremely terse Zen practices and things like that, and just really like experimented with it all, found what felt
0: the best to me and made the most sense, and just kind of created my own approach. So it was just it was a, a best of kind of thing, or at least best of in terms of what you felt, what you resonated with the most. What age when you started meditating? You said a teenager? Yes, yes. And uh, you're at what age now? I'm 37. Got it. So meditating for 20 plus years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, well, I guess dive into what was life like after you started meditating? So we just kind of got the before and how you discovered it. What changed for you? How quickly did you find it difficult? You know, like most people do where brains racing and they're judging their own thoughts and, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, it was. It came to me really naturally, and that I think that I was holding so much, kind of like the teapot was was screeching a lot at that time, and so I just started off really basically, and I started like, okay, I'm gonna like lay down on the bed and just close my eyes, and I'm gonna start trying to just inhale and take some nice deep breaths, and then as I exhale, kind of relax the muscles in my body and my face inhale again and just relax the muscles of my body and face and try and just kind of calm down you know Mm -hmm. because most of us we you know people are just all pretty frantic and and fidgety and tight and grasping a lot of the times and they don't often realize it because that's a protection mechanism of the front brain you know the ancient brain is feeling all these things and all these stressors and the body is tense and, and tight and calcifying more by the day but the the frontal brain sees that as like this old modality of like okay the body must be facing a threat right now i need to numb its awareness of the pain so that it can make it through this threat and get on the other side of it however in the, the way that that is translated to the complexity of the modern world and all of the ways that anxiety and distraction and and the whole head trip of of modern life gets laid upon us that never goes away, really. Those, the quote unquote threats, there's not, we can't get through it, right? (laughs) In that same traditional way. So a lot of people end up thinking like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. My my mind tells me I'm fine. Whenever their shoulders are rock hard, their back is shaped like a shell, like an armor defense mechanism, they're hunched over, they're tight, their breath is short and uh, all that type of stuff. And so, you know, I was very much feeling that way. And, And just by calming down and just starting to settle down a little bit in my body, I began feeling some spaciousness in, internally. And by that, I mean, there was room to breathe. And I began finding this spot. I talk about this in the book a little bit, what I call the mindfulness gap. I noticed the space between the arising impulse of my thoughts and the space of turning that thought into action. And as I noticed this tiny little gap of like, oh, wait a second. With, by meditating, I've created this, I've cultivated this internal space. And now I can actually begin to author my behavior, you know, because most of us are acting, we're, we're acting out the programming, which we inherited from our family and our culture and our surroundings and just the chance of our life. And we get into this momentum of just reactionary living. And that's why a lot of people feel like pushed around by life. They feel like they and they say things, they do things that they regret later. It's because they're running on this operating system that they don't realize that they're, they're running, that's running on their hard drive at all, right? And so mindfulness and meditation is super useful because as you develop it further and further and get deeper into it, that mindfulness gap gets wider and wider. And before you know it, you are in complete control of the arising of your consciousness and all of your thoughts and the things that you're going to say and do and and you stop reacting to life, you start responding to your life and uh, it becomes a very, very beautiful way to build the bridge into your future self.
0: Well, that points to what I think a lot of people confuse meditation or have a confusion about it or a misunderstanding is the idea that the practice itself is the only benefit, right? right? Meaning that it's like, well, I do this for 10 minutes in the morning and I feel calm during those 10 minutes and then I, you know, and th- that's it. And it's almost, I know for me in the past when I was really struggling, my meditation was like, it was the only space in my day where I wasn't stressed out, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is, uh, or at least, you know, let me hear, echo what I'm hearing, but is, is using your meditation practice, using mindfulness, In order to not just feel good for ten minutes, right, or whatever your however long your practice is, but but to rewire your brain and retrain your brain to be conscious and present all day long, right, all the time, all situations. Yeah, and that's a great. I'm, I'm glad to use that word rewire because you
1: know the neuroplasticity effect of meditation is so huge, and that's why you know a lot of people. I try and stress this a lot when I talk about meditation is that it's not, you know, meditating isn't necessarily about length. Like a lot of people get the idea because of, I think, sort of the caricature and the cultural mind of meditation. It's like, oh, you're a bald guy with a beard, which I, I happen to be, but <laughs> a, bald guy, a bald guy with a beard on the side of a mountain, you know, uh, whatever, with a beautiful sunset, and you're going to meditate for eight hours a day or whatever it might be. And people kind of get the idea, it's like, eh, you know, that seems a little bit whatever, and so then when they do decide to meditate, they're like, all right, I got to sit down for two hours a day or whatever it is. And it's it's really, that that turns people off because you can't start off at two hours a day. It's like running or something. Like you don't just go, well, I've never run before really, but I'm going to start with a marathon. It's like, no, you run and you run, walk one mile, then a week or two later, you run, walk two miles, then and so forth and so forth. And you keep building up to this thing. Yeah, All the while, you're still getting exercise, right? It's just your practice in running is getting deeper and deeper and your, your skill set and your, your body is changing on a biological level to be able to get into that space and your, you know, your cardiovascular health is increasing. And so then you become more healthy and more fit over time. But it's, not, it would, it's more damaging to just start and try and go, oh, I'm going to run 20 miles today. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've ever run. You're going to actually end up hurting yourself. Yeah. So not that you're going to hurt yourself in meditation, but what will happen is that you can become dissuaded by the whole idea to begin with, because someone sits down there. Like, well, I'm going to sit here for an hour, and then they their mind wanders. All the you know all the bells and whistles go off. Yeah. and they think, well, that didn't really work for me. And then it doesn't you know feed forward into the rest of their life. And they think, oh, well, I didn't get any benefit of that. But really, what's important is repetition. Because whenever you meditate, it could even be five minutes a day, but doing it consecutively day after day, that's really what starts causing the change. And as you mentioned earlier, it starts doing the rewiring of the brain and you begin to feel that feeling that you talked about, the quote unquote relaxation during your meditation that begins to slowly fade in. It's like the, the sun coming up over the horizon, just ever so slowly into your daily life. And then... Once you start feeling that, then you want to meditate because you're like, oh, wait a second, this is, this is echoing on into my day. I'm starting to feel a bit more calm, a bit more present, a bit more aware, and a, a bit more in control. And then as you go further and further, those benefits just continue to increase. And that's where the length
0: comes. So the length of meditation is like the deepening aspect of it, right? Hmm. Yeah. So it's the whole, you know, do one push up today and then do two tomorrow and then do three the next. Right. It's just that. Exactly. That slow, gradual increase to where it's, you know, yeah. Meditate for a minute today and then two tomorrow and literally. Yeah. uh, And then before you know it, you're up to, you know, 20 then 30 minutes in an hour. And Mm -hmm even longer that's the tricky thing is like people because it's a discipline of the
1: mind and we live in such a material focused culture right like if you go to the gym you can work out you can see the changes in your body visually you can see your muscles shifting your you can feel your clothes fitting differently yeah but since meditation is a practice of the mind you have to pay attention to your you know the buoyancy of your intellect and your emotion and how you're feeling how you see the world and that's a bit more slippery and nebulous for most people, and hard, harder for them to keep track of. And it usually, in, in my experience, and also what I've heard from a lot of uh, uh, people who have taken my course or you know listen to the podcast or whatever, is that it, it sort of like hits them out of nowhere. Is they, they do that thing where they're meditating for five minutes a day, a few weeks goes by, a few months goes by, and like hey, you know, I'm really starting to feel this, and then they find themselves in a situation, maybe at work or something, where you know a coworker said something that normally they would have had this triggered reaction to and they didn't they had no reaction except for just awareness and then they responded in a a different way and i wait a second where did that come from right it's like it faded up enough to where
0: it snuck up on the the user you know yeah yeah no yeah and that i can share that experience of you know you're doing it you feel like and especially if you're a type personality, right? You're like, I'm not getting anything done. I could be answering emails right now, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but you stick with it, and you get more acclimated, and you you go from having those three second gaps of total presence and mindfulness to they happen more often, and they get a little longer, right? And then one day you you wake up and you you know you meditate, and you're like, oh my god, that was the best part of my day. I don't want to go to work anymore. <laughs> like I just, I just want to keep meditating, right? Totally you know and and that's it and and that's like anything in life you know good things come to those who you know commit and persevere and and stick with it and and it because it yeah it doesn't happen very very I don't know if I've met anybody that's like yeah day one I nailed it (laughs) (laughs) there are people who claim
1: spontaneous yeah 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 spontaneous enlightenment that's what that does but uh yeah i think that's called psilocybin mushrooms or yeah right yes but even with that you can have like that's what with psychedelics it's like that's just a doorway to more years of work and integration like the psychedelic is only the key turning a lock but you got to open the crate and see and go through all the stuff that's in there afterwards
0: you know yeah yeah no absolutely let's i want to talk about you, you you know you personally, you have a unique position with your podcast. You've interviewed, spoken with hundreds of leaders in the fields of uh, mindfulness, neuroscience, philosophy. What have you learned about mindfulness that, that from these individuals and, and anything else that you think is valuable? Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I think, yeah, I, th-
1: I think I'd have to say that amongst all of the people I've had the real honor and, and pleasure to get to talk to, a really important thing to remember is that everyone is human, right? Yeah. Is that no matter how impressive and and wise that any of these people might be, they're still people, you know? And I think it's a good lesson for myself and for everyone else that listens to the show to remember that we have a real habit of uh, just kind of culturally, we have a habit of looking at people, any, anyone really, but particularly people that get a bit of attention or media or something like that as these kind of cooked goose. It's like, okay, they're done and they don't have any problems and I'm, gonna, and I'm either need to strive to be that or I'm incomplete and I'm not enough because I'm not that thing. And that's sort of, you know, Instagram is a very, very... Yeah,
0: thinking that same thing. Yeah, that. it's it's
1: riddled with that type of symptom, man. It's actually, it's built upon that human part of our psychology. You know, the FOMO, the feeling like, ooh, I wish I could be more like that. Yeah. It encourages everyone to try and like engage so that they can be a part and amongst uh, those type of vibes, right? And so I think that, you know, talking to all these incredible people who really is valuable to learn that like, okay, they're all still struggling. They're all still trying to figure it out. Everyone has different parts of their lives that are great. Some of them are, are struggling. Some of them aren't as great. And it's just a symptom of being human. And no matter where you're at, if you're listening to this podcast, for was the first time and you think I'm going to go read howe 's book and try and get started, or I'm going to try meditation, or you've been doing both of those things for 20 years. It doesn't matter. It's like this: uh, the human quality of our of our human experience is one that is always in a state of growth and there is no you know finish line right and that's a beautiful it, it's a beautiful beautiful sentiment to sit with because you realize that like what's important is today and what you do what you choose to do today to improve your life tomorrow and that's all that matters all the other comparison and judgment and side by side i think I can't remember who it was but someone said comparison is the death of art Because the second you're creating something, a piece of art, and you start looking at your peers, it's a total head trip. You get freaked out. You start hating yourself and your work, and then you never get anything done from the deep center of where you are. Because that's where all great creativity comes from, is allowing to clear away all of the barriers and the, the negative self-talk, the presuppositions and all that stuff in your mind to allow the fullness of what you are come through and flow out into the world. And such as with simply being human, you know, being a person, that's what we're all trying to do is, is clear away all of the stuff that's been pushed into our heads and all the, the negative things that keep us snared up so that we can let all of us come through. And that's just this process, right? And so realizing that is a, is incredibly uh, beautiful, hardening, and uh, it, to me, I think it's a very inspiring
0: realization to have. Really, really well said. And um, yeah, I think that there's both sides of the coin when it comes to comparing ourselves to other people. And you know, the first is, right? I'm not enough. I'm not as good as them. I'm not as, my life isn't as good as theirs, right? And then the other side of it is, if any other human being can do anything, so can I. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tried, I should actually talk to my daughter yesterday. She played her first basketball game. She's 10, and uh, we we're going there. And she's like, I'm not, you know, as good. And, da, 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 da. and, you know, I said, Hey, if any other human being can do anything, you, you can do it too. You just got to practice, work hard. So, yeah, it's, it's almost like compare wisely if you're going to compare, you know, not in a way that makes you feel less than, but in a way that empowers you to go, Hey, we're all human. We're all struggling. If they overcame their inner crap you know they're right their inner insecurities and 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 fears and and demons so can i absolutely man and originality is another huge one too like just from
1: being you know in the creative world my whole life like the amount of times i hear people hate on themselves because like i want to do this but i don't you know like there's something else out there kind of like that or i don't know maybe i'm not original my voice isn't original enough and i'm always like man you know what, maybe someone else did something kind of in the same lane-ish, but you haven't done that yet. And you're the only person that's lived your whole life and had all of your experiences and all of the chance and really the chaos and the self-organization of your whole journey. So do that thing that's going to come out in this beautifully original way, really
0: whether you want it to or not, you know? I interviewed, uh, had a conversation with Kamal Ravikant earlier today. Have you read his book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It? I have not, no highly recommended that the an updated version came out i think yesterday but uh he said you you, as you were talking i just opened up this page it says i would offer something to know that no one else could my truth something i'd learned purely from my experience something that saved me and i just i you know that sentiment really echoes what you said which is you know the, the one thing no one else can offer is your truth your life your experience you know yeah um yeah, yeah, you I know, mean, it's exactly what you did, right? Meditation, you know, saved. I don't know if you saved you, you would say, but it, but it, uh, it transformed you and your life, right? And, and so you, now you're sharing it in, in in a book and and in your work. Let's 100%. let's dive into the book. Um, what was the inspiration to write? Now is the way. It really came from a
1: lot of ways from my podcast. You know, whenever I started it, I guess a little over four years ago, I really started it like just the purely an idea of fun. I wasn't planning on it becoming my main, you know, the main ship I was riding out in the ocean. It was really just like, I know a lot of interesting people. And the thing I've always loved doing my entire life has been talking and getting into these interesting conversations about philosophy or the inner, inner path or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just so there's a buzz and an excitement and a real resonance that comes from that type of connection to me. And so I thought, well, this will be fine. I'll just do this. And I, I gave it a, a preposterous name on purpose because like <laughs> I have a, I, I knew since like, one of the things that is really important to me is never, uh, sounding like trying to sound like a, uh, like I have it figured out or like I'm taking myself too seriously, you know? Yeah because that's a big symptom of this stuff and uh, also it's a thing that people kind of accidentally can project on others like someone, you know a lot of spiritual teachers people have this almost a fear of their their you know quote-unquote holiness or something whenever it's like no they're just a, a a person that's you know got all the same faults as everyone else right so i gave it this ridiculous name i also like quadruple entendres And so I thought, well, maybe it will inoculate me or anyone from thinking that I'm being too serious because I do have a real (laughs) habit of going down these deep rabbit holes. I thought, but if I give it a ridiculous name called the Astro Hustle, and it's layered and people can think about it in, in a lot of different ways. And so that'll be fun. And I actually had the podcast in the comedy section when I first launched it. (laughs) after a few few months listeners started hitting me up and they're like dude why this is confusing why is your podcast in the comedy (laughs) section shouldn't it be like in spirituality and i was like all right so i i switched it to spirituality from comedy so now it's only confusing to me and not Uh, uh, (laughs) so the comedy is that it's in the comedy section yeah yeah yeah, right right well like life is hilarious like life is absurd and abstract and that's one of my favorite things about life is just how ridiculous the existence is at all. The fact that we're these weird, you know, this big glob of like gut bacteria and flora that's messing with our neurons right now and that we're floating on, you know, we're these waves of consciousness in these meat suits stuck to a planet floating in the middle of infinity. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah, that's kind of odd. <laughs> so it's very odd. So anyway, all right. So I was talking, I was just having fun talking with a couple of friends, doing a lot of solo casts on the podcast and as it became more, I really got a lot of momentum and it started picking up pretty quickly. And then I started getting a lot of feedback from, from people and listeners that were saying, Hey, you know, I've like this experience you talked about that really helped me. It, I was like stuck in this way of thinking, I was stuck at this barrier, you know, and you talking about how you got through that whenever you were younger, really like helped me get through this thing, man. So thank you. And I started getting more and more of those. And then before I knew it, I was getting those like every day or, or a lot of those every day. And then I, was talk, I would talk about things that I thought were just solely knee issues. <laughs> like one time, I, I talk about in the book a little bit too, is uh, I got into the state that I called existential paralysis, where it was like opening the, the, you know, the third eye, the mind, the, you're dialing up your awareness so much that you get overwhelmed with the detail of existence, right? An existential heaviness. And I talked about that and then talked about how I got out of that. And I had a ton of people hit me up and say, man, I, I can't, I'm in that now. Or like, I, I just got out of that too. Oh my God. And that really blew my mind. Cause I was like, surely this was, it was such a weird part of my life and a weird experience. I thought, surely I'm the only one that's ever experienced that. Right. So that's just one example of, of dozens and dozens that I had these people hitting me up saying, Hey, this helped me, this helped me, this helped me. And it made me realize that, all right, You know, as I was doing the podcast, I realized that there's there's something I can do with this here, with this unique position. That not only am I understanding that these are human issues, regardless of age, sex, you know, uh, culture. There's people all over the world hitting me up about this stuff. But it's also it's like a map. I can share this map of my experiences with other people, and uh, do it in a way that can really help people get on further down the road and kind of cut the time down it takes for them to get through the experiences uh and challenges that that I got through. Also I write about part of the, the the book is also about meditation, kind of the last quarter of it. And I put out a meditation course called Release Into Now about four years ago or three or four years ago. And in, you know, thousands of people took that course and I had a lot of feedback on, you know, what resonated with people, what was useful, what was unique about it that really connected with them. And so I was able to put that in there too, you know, really taking this, the census understanding of someone, you know, in 2020, what it's like for them to be coming upon this stuff for the first time and how it can make the most useful. So that's really
0: where all the the impetus of the book came from. Got it. And so that having the course, so the course preceded the book, which gave you real time you know, results and feedback, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, when like meditation, you mentioned this earlier that people often go, "Why?" I, you know, I, I have this thing. I want to share this thing, but that that's worked for me. But it's already kind of out there, and people have written about it or talked about it, and so I don't think that I have a place for it. Meditation, right now, right, is a a you know because it works. It's a very very popular topic, and there are a lot of books on meditation. So, my question for you, right, the subtitle of your book, An Unconventional Approach to Modern Mindfulness, what makes your book unconventional or your approach?
1: Yeah, so basically, the, one of the big things that people have mentioned, which is always funny to me is they go, uh, man, there's so many books on mindfulness out there and meditation, you know, dozens and dozens and, and everywhere. And I used to joke say, okay, what are your top 10? And people go, <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's funny. And, but another thing, the more serious answer is that, you know, you talk about, if we look at what are the most potent and well-known books on mindfulness that are out there and in, in the zeitgeist, you know, you, someone will think say, Be Here Now by Ram Dass. Someone might say, The Power of Now. Uh, I'm sure someone will listen to Alan Watts' book. And those are all yeah. great. They're classics for a reason. But they were written 50 years ago. <clears throat> and there is not a not kind of you know secular non-denominational conversational approach to you know somewhat of, of my generation of our generation uh taking these ideas on and translating them to the issues and, and things that we face today in the way that the world looks now because those books that are 40 50 years old are still great they're still classics but a lot of new problems and dynamics have arisen in the last 50 years in our modern world right and so my book is unconventional in that one it takes a conversational uh non-teachy type of approach to to this stuff and also a non you know self-righteous non-self serious type of approach a sincere one um but not not one that's it's not uptight or anything like that and it also addresses all the issues of technology of the complexity of society of dealing with internet and all these new things that have arisen
0: since then so the the subtitle an unconventional approach to modern mindfulness right we can really emphasize modern yeah exactly Applying it to to what, you know to what life looks like today and all the complexities that we didn't have you know 10 years ago that's right <laughs> 20 30 years. <laughs> 40 50 yeah man i don't see him slowing down i was reading you know reading up on the book now is the way will not only give you mental clarity reduce your anxiety help you find your purpose and increase your focus so those are all obviously benefits. Find, reducing anxiety, that for me has been lately a challenge, but gaining mental clarity, finding your purpose, increasing your focus. I was wondering if you could share something that you haven't shared, one tip uh, for someone that is just starting out in meditation. Let's say they, you know, they order your book today, they got to wait a couple of days before Amazon gets it to them. Uh, what could they implement right now to begin implementing modern mindfulness into their, uh, into their life? Yeah, sure thing. So, and one, you, since you mentioned Amazon, I'd be remiss if I didn't toss
1: out a quote from the book that's kind of one of my favorites, talking about how the time compression of the modern world, and that is that there are still hunter-gatherer tribes living in the Amazon rainforest, when Amazon.com will also deliver your groceries to your front door in two hours. It just shows how ridiculous the technological and biological evolutional timelines are. <laughs> yes. So a little tip that someone, you know, just getting into mindfulness, I'll give them, give you two, actually. One is when you think about meditation and all this type of stuff, lower the stakes. There's so much pressure and so much, and so much like baggage put around meditating and around even kind of scratching the surface of your own inner life that it usually it makes people kind of resistant to it or, or not want to get into it to begin with there's also been so much written about it in such kind of flowery uh imprecise ways yeah. that it also it, there's a lot of room for fat you know there's the the hallmarkization of <laughs> of eastern thought that really turns people off so just try and let all that stuff go lower the stakes and just get in the lab and experience experiment with yourself slowly don't have any type of expectations and just see what what you feel right so someone that has never even meditated before i would say uh kind of like we talked about earlier just every morning or before you go to bed whatever works best for your schedule just turn off your screens and sit there turn the lights off close your eyes no big deal and just Take a nice breath in. You do it every night when you sleep, right? You're just going to do it again when you're awake. So take a nice, calm breath in. And as you exhale, just try and relax the muscles in your face and your shoulders. And then you don't even have to exhale. Your body is designed to exhale on its own. So you just have to let your chest fall. Take another good breath in. And as you let your chest fall again, try and relax the muscles in your body, in your face, and your shoulders a little bit more. And just make it a little game with yourself. How much can you relax and inhale and then relax and release a little bit more of the muscles and then inhale and relax a little bit more. And just do that for five minutes a day. And you're going to feel fidgety because your hands are used to messing with a mouse or with your phone or with a keyboard or something like that all day long. And so... You're going to feel a little fidgety. Your mind's going to get all crazy, and you're going to have a bazillion thoughts. But that actually is the hardest step of achieving mindfulness, because that means you've become aware of your thoughts, and that's the, one of the hardest things to do. Is even wake up to the fact that it's an, it's an issue. So whenever you see the crazy rampaging thoughts, that's a huge success. Most people see that and they go, Ah, oh, man. I guess I'm not a meditator. I can't do this. My mind's too crazy. Well, it's like, yeah, your mind's too crazy because you've never looked at it in 40 years. <laughs> so so this is the teapot thing. Now you look at it, and as you continue to do this, you'll find that not only are you able to just rest on your body without feeling fidgety, but you're also, you know, the, the steam will start slowly getting let out of that teapot. All that stuff will blow off. And that's when that internal space begins to appear that I mentioned. So just... Lowering the stakes, getting in there doing it, not expecting anything, and just see how you feel. another one that I, I talk about you know tapping into presence this is a, a good uh, focusing thought for mindfulness is that once again you need to read or understand or know nothing about mindfulness other than the times in your life where you feel connected and, and dialed in almost like there's a you're a tuning fork, and you just have this beautiful you know, resonant sound coming out of you. I mean, we've all had those experiences in life. Well, that feeling is available and around you at all times, right? Your mind just isn't attuned to it and focusing on it. And that feeling is when you're in accord with yourself, with your surroundings, when your awareness is clear and clean and present, when you're, you're focused on the present moment. So you can begin to fold that into your daily routine by picking one thing in your morning, like, what I, I use coffee as the example in the book because I love coffee. So, picking that thing you're already doing and just setting everything aside. And again, it doesn't have to be theatrical, no big deal, lower the stakes. But just as you drink your coffee, instead of like chugging it as you're checking your email or when you're running around your house or making breakfast or driving to work, just take like a minute to sit there, put everything aside, feel that cup coming to your lips, feel the warmth rolling across your tongue and you know taste all the flavors feel the aroma and the steam going back into the back of your nose feel it entering your stomach and the warmth going in there the blood vessels in your head expanding your body feeling the the chemical reaction of the coffee changing the biochemistry of your of your mind and body and just feel that whole process happening for just even a few seconds if that's all you've got and what happens is that you've turned your morning into this spiritual sunrise all of a sudden by simply attuning your focus to the present moment and actually being engaged with what you're experiencing and as you do that one time you'll see how beautiful and just potent it feels and how that really is tapping into what life is it's just the the abundance of now and the present right then you'll notice like as you're showering one day you'll go wait a second i'm actually feeling the warm water like rolling across my body Mm. I feel the steam rising. I feel like my feet are touching the earth, and the earth is touching my feet back. You begin to feel present for that experience too, and you start feeling more and more and more. And then before you know it, those beautiful experiences start linking, and that becomes these longer versions of that experience.
0: Mm. Well, you had me at the deep breaths. I started to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) and my voice is also they've put you right to sleep (laughs) it's a soothing voice and then uh, but no but so lowering the stakes i love that just doing it just meditate without any grand expectations right totally and i I always say like just set your timer for 10 minutes and just do nothing for 10 minutes and (laughs) you know don't expect that day one you're going to be like wow i didn't have a single thought i just was pure and pure consciousness right yeah Um, No, just whatever, don't judge what arises. And and the second tip, I love that tap into presence. You just reminded me how unpresent I am and that that is the essence. Like if you want to live life to the fullest, that, dude, your book says now is the way, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I love my, I've got a cup of tea here that I was about to down as soon as we finished. And uh, no, I'm going to sip it so slow. (laughs) I'm going to feel it roll back on my tongue. I'm going to smell it before I sip it. I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm, and that, you know, it's like a third of a cup of tea and uh, I'm going to get so much more uh, juice out of that tea. Oh, that. So thank you, brother. That's it. Oh man. A great high note to finish on. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. So the podcast is astral. A-S-T-R-A-L, Hustle. So Goal Achievers, if you want to listen to... Uh, if, if you enjoyed Corey's soothing voice as much as I do, uh, <laughs> check him out on the podcast. And uh, one of the you know top-rated podcasts on iTunes. Uh, and then Corey, what's the best way to you know get in touch with you, get the book, whatever you're open to? Yeah, man. Uh, Corey-Allen.com.
1: That's where all the stuff's there. And there's a whole variety of ways that you can get the book from my site. Of course, Amazon is an easy way to get it, as you mentioned. So yeah, that's the
0: that's the best place. Everything's there. All right, that's Corey Allen A L L E N dot com. Corey, man, you are. Uh, I, I had a, a really, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you today in our conversation, man. Thank you so much. Oh man, hell, likewise, man. Thank you
1: so much. I, I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully Aubrey's reviews <laughs> and
0: endorsements. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, You uh, you met met or exceeded the expectations, and, and right. Aubrey for the for texting me and recommending Corey. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. Good to hear. Cool. All right, man. Well, I look forward to next time that we can connect. Likewise, thank you. All right, brother. Goal cool achievers, thank you for listening today. I oh, mean, I really enjoyed that conversation with Corey. I really did, and I got a lot out of it. And he really, um, I was, I'm inspired to uh, improve my mindfulness practice. I feel like I tend to coast. I don't know about you, but you know, I'll, I'll meditate and uh, I'll get into it, and, and then you know, and then I, I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll meditate for less time or less often or whatever. Now is the way is on its way to me. I just got the book and uh, I'll be excited uh, to hear how it helps you improve your meditation and your mindfulness practice or practices in your life. So I love you very much. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. And uh, I look forward to talking to y'all next week. Take care, everybody.